Welcome to episode 6 of Carlos in L.A. This is the story of the chance meeting of John Bernard and Isabelle Lenormand on an L.A. bus, as told by writer Dina Vollmer. I met Dina at a barbecue when she first told me the story. Turns out she wrote her master's thesis on this character, her friend John, who had a special way of blending fiction with reality, relationships with artwork. Here's the story of John, Isabel, and the Museum of Destiny. My friend John was living in Santa Monica in the back house behind Mike White's house. Mike White is an actor and producer and and writer, and he wanted someone to live in his back house to take care of his French bulldogs named Tootsie and Ginger. And so he found John, and John lived in the back house, and his job was to love these French Welcome bull- to episode dogs, six of Carlos in L.A. Uh, John was new to L.A. He was interested in art. He didn't have a car and um, didn't have a whole lot to do besides the dogs. I mean, I'm sure they required a lot. But um, in general, he spent his days um, when he wasn't with the dogs taking the bus around L.A., um, often to museums and, and art galleries and um, meeting a lot of artists and kind of discovering the L.A. art scene of, I don't know, this was like 2007. One day he went to the Getty because there was a talk he was interested in about this Monet painting, uh, Manet painting. And he um, had to take a few different buses to get to the Getty. To get to the Getty... You would either take the 720 or you could take one of the Santa Monica buses to the Hammer. And then from the Hammer, you shoot up straight to the Getty, heading straight north. Um, And it was, I think, a Wednesday and maybe the talk was at 10 a.m. or something. And um, when he finally got to the museum, he realized the, um, the talk was not happening and not even scheduled for that day. He had completely misread the website, um didn't know, um, went there kind of all in vain, it seemed. But John kind of, you know, he didn't want the day to be a waste. So he had the, the kind of idea that there, there, was, there had to be something or some reason that was bringing him to the Getty on this day. Um, and so was he, when he, you know, he kind of looked around for a reason to be at the Getty and didn't find one. Um, and was, you know, kind of depressed um, about the the wasted time and effort. It was frustrating. It felt like, why did I come here if the talk had ended? There must be some other reason. And got back on the bus or went to go get the bus back to Santa Monica, back home. While when he was getting onto the bus, he noticed there was like a French couple right ahead of him in line. Yes, so we... Granted a car, but we couldn't find the agency for four days. So for four days, we were taking cab, and the day of the Getty, we decided to take the bus. And they, you know, they were speaking French. They didn't seem to speak English very well. They didn't seem to know how to pay for the bus. And when John saw them giving about to give a $10 bill to pay for the bus... So they were holding a $20 bill. And it was the, the the fact that they were holding it already indicated to me there was trouble ahead that they were going to obviously use the twenty dollar bill, and that the normal thing to do, and I've been in that situation before, would be to ask someone for change. 
-hmm. and I felt like they weren't going to understand that or be able to do that, and that I should do that. I should preempt them and be like, hey, by the way, here's some change. You don't need that whole $20, and if you put that whole $20 in, you're not going to get uh, any change back. Uh, he went to stop them, but was too late. And because they had paid $10 to get on the bus, John thought, okay, well, I better make it worth their while. I wanted them to have um, a VIP kind of experience because they had paid so much to be on the bus. So I was thinking, mm -hmm. I'm going to give them a lot of good info and this is going to lead to something good, you know, that they're going to be happy that they paid too much and that I ended up talking to them and they, maybe I told them about a great place and they would have a great experience later on. Um, so John sat next to him, them. Um, it was a man and a woman. They were a couple and started talking to them. And they, and this was the first American that they had spoken to on their trip. And John learned that they had tried to rent a car, but, but there was some issues with the reservation. And so they, and they wanted to go to Gettys, they ended up taking the bus there, but they, you know, they were kind of clueless. And John had um, on the bus talked to them about um, philosophy and film, and they, they seemed to really connect and have this just amazing time on the bus talking about all kinds of things. And um, John also ex uh, described the experience on the bus with them as that uh, he fell in love. I remember the feeling that was developing, um, which is a kind of falling in love, but maybe that's not the right way to describe it because we don't have, there's no phrase for feeling like you're, you're gonna become very close friends with someone mm -hmm. and that they're gonna be like part of your life. Mm -hmm. He learned their names were Isabel and Xavier, and, um, and he loved them. And it was um, a very powerful connection. He was pretty high on that feeling that when it was time for him to get off the bus, he just got off the bus uh, to go home, and then the bus drove away, and he realized he did not have the contact information for uh, Isabel and Xavier, the people he was now in love with. I get off the bus and I feel like at that moment, like I did the right thing, I showed self-control, I didn't give them my email address like a maniac. And I was like proud of myself for like 15 seconds. And as I'm walking away, like more and more, I start to realize that, like what is cowardice? You know, like, what does it feel like? Nobody thinks of themselves as a coward. You could actually feel heroic in the moment that you're really being a coward. So I realized, wait, what I had done was actually just pure cowardice. I couldn't even give them my email address because I was afraid of what they might think or feel. And like, maybe they would reject that and I would feel like foolish. And the only, you know, the only way I knew that I felt that way is because I can feel like the tears, you know, coming down my face. Like I'm, I'm crying. That's how I knew like this was some kind of emotional, like you know, reckoning with myself or whatever. And then he was truly devastated um, because how was he going to find them again in Los Angeles? How would he find them? Um, he he told me he cried. He was you know totally despondent. Called a friend. I, I was talking to my brother, and so. He's the one who, he usually always has the best advice for me that I never listen to or that, you know, like a, I classically will admit to have being right, like years later, I'll say, mm. like you were right about this or right about that. That's kind of our dynamic. And um, he, it was him who said, he was very loving and sweet and giving good advice, 
and he was very understanding. He wasn't even for a moment like this is weird or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that. But he was just like, you know, you should go home and write about it, um, like Dina says. And it was just I was kind of proud of myself because I thought it was a kind of a good line when um, he, you know, was like, you need to go home and write about this because you're never going to find them again. It's like you're right. And he, I could just feel like I gave a little beat there, and he was just feeling like, wait. John never says I'm right oh. like when I first give the advice and so he was probably like either happy or confused but then I ended it with I'm gonna find them again and it was really him telling me that I couldn't do that which actually introduced the idea to me because I wow. never ever I think would have thought of that on my own but hearing someone be like that thing is impossible made me think about that thing to begin with okay. and when I thought about it that became my my entire hope of finding them again. And so John decided that he was going to find them in L.A., that he had a rough idea of the museums they had been to and hadn't been to and wanted to go to, and he was going to find them. So the next day, he took the bus from Santa Monica all the way to the Norton Simon Museum in Pasadena. It took two hours each way to get there. Um, He wondered several times uh, what he was doing with his life, why he was um, on this bus for so long trying to find these people, these strangers um, from France. And he went to the museum, he looked around, he stayed there, he hung out at the museum, did not find them, took the bus back, that was a whole day. Um, But he did not give up. And the next day, he thought he would go to the LACMA. Um, Why he didn't think that he would go to the Norton Simon again, because maybe if they weren't there the first day, they'd be there the second day, like, I'm not really sure, but he had this feeling of going to the LACMA the next day, and when he got there, he saw them. He just saw them there at the museum, and then he hid because he did not want um, to say hi to them. He really wanted them to discover him. So he kind of sneaked around the museum to get into the gift shop of the exhibit that they were going into, so that they, when they would finish walking through the exhibit and get to the gift shop, they would just sort of see him there casually holding a book, reading a book, and um, so they could kind of have this moment of discovery. When I saw them coming, it was just pure excitement. I tried to stand up. My first thought was not hide. It was actually to just bump into them or just, you know, whatever, just go towards them. But um, when I stood up, my legs were numb because I was sitting for so long, and two, I think I was just too excited. And I looked over, and there's the gift shop, and it was like, okay, maybe they're in there. They must have gone straight there. And that's when I see them, like, looking at some books at the gift shop. And then I, I think I approach them in a very cool way. Like, very, you know, casual. Oh, my God, it's amazing. In this big city, we see you twice, um, is what Isabel said to John when she kind of discovered him there. Um, and it felt like serendipity and it felt like fate. So I was thinking it was totally random. I was thinking it was totally fate. For years and years, I was thinking it was a miracle, like, oh, it's nice. And I really felt it was like uh, something f- from God to meet the him. And 
And that's, you know, that's the story of how John found these strangers that he met on the bus. Um, after that, they became friends. They spent the rest of the trip um, with John, even staying with him um, in his back house in Santa Monica. Uh, he took them riding um, bikes uh, on the on the beach. Um, he kind of created these these romantic dates and adventures for the three of them. Um, and fast forward five years later, I'm waking up in Paris next to Isabel. And she's shaking me. And I go, what? And she goes, you found us that day, didn't you? And I go, what do you mean? And she goes, I know you now. She goes, you searched for us and you found us. She had woken up from, from a dream or from sleeping, and she just realized that that's what had happened. I never actually told her. later, Isabel and Xavier part ways. Meanwhile, John and Isabel develop a relationship and they get married. They create an art project called the Museum of Destiny that tells the story of their chance bus encounter with memorabilia, photographs, and other works of art. So uh, we did this project and actually we married at the end of this, this project. And we invited all the visitors of the project. We did a party, like an opening. So all the visitors, they came. Sometimes people we just met once. Or we barely knew. They were at our wedding. Wow. So it was really weird. So your wedding was kind of like the culmination of the Museum of Destiny? Yes. And we married at the terminus of the 720. So we, we met at the 720 and the, the last stop of the 720 is in Santa Monica facing the ocean. So we decided exactly to marry there uh, in homage to the bus. Thank you, Isabel, John and Dina for such a wonderful narration of this story. As always, and as a rule, I don't have any advertisements on my podcast, so I appreciate any sort of support, and you can do that by sharing this with a friend, writing a nice iTunes review, or donating at carlisin.la. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next episode.